A young woman owned a retired circus pony, but even though his days of working the circuit were over, this little pony did nothing but wander in circles all day. Here he was in a newfound place of freedom, fully able to range and explore and experience all that this new life had to offer. Yet his old life still haunted him, defined him, restrained him, controlled him. He kept to the same pattern to which he'd been relegated for so long. He apparently didn't know how to operate any other way. This is the burden of unforgiveness, condemnation, guilt, and shame. This is its legacy. It sits on you, weighing you down, restricting you from enjoying new spaces, phases, and freedoms that each season of life brings you. It fits you with blinders, keeping you from seeing anything other than the offense you committed, making it hard to view anything else in your life except through its lens. Unforgiveness forces you to stay in one-dimensional, thinly sliced, unable to experience the joys that only exist on the periphery. Instead, it keeps you narrowly relegated to the artificial boundaries created by yesterday's disappointments, a circle of mundane living that's far less than the abundant life you were created for. We've been talking about forgiveness, and tonight um, I opened with that story because I wanted you to kind of have an understanding, um, you know, we talked about, you know, the importance of forgiving other people and how, you know, Jesus loves you so much and how he died and forgiveness is part of the package and part of what he went through for us. But sometimes we have trouble when we um, do things that disappoint us or do things that disappoint other people. Um, maybe there's a number of things that have made living harmoniously with yourself impossible. Um, maybe you've stirred up some unintended chaos. Maybe you've missed an opportunity that has cost you more money, heartache, and regret than you ever thought could happen. You know, we're human, and we do human things. And sometimes we make choices purposefully or unpurposely. Is that a word? or not on purpose, that's it. <laughs> that's not it. Sometimes we make choices and, um, you know, those choices are, you know, being disobedient to God, which ultimately is sin. You know, we, we say if it's not murder, it's not stealing, you know, robbing, you know, those big obvious things. And, you know, we say, oh, you know, I don't do that or, you know, that kind of stuff. Or we think, you know, that being disobedient to God, that's just disobedient to God, but really that is sin as well. And sometimes we make those types of decisions, but we have a hard time for receiving forgiveness for ourselves and letting go of that. You know, you think about it, um, my type of personality, I have like a perfectionist type of personality. And so for me, um, if I, I have this tendency, like if I say something wrong or if I do something wrong and I know, you know, and I may ask for forgiveness about it, but it, it will keep playing in my mind. Oh, you know, I should have said this. Or I should have did that. Oh, I know I said I was sorry, but, you know, and, and it'll keep playing in my mind. And then sometimes, you know, it, I go to lay down and I'm, I'm thinking about it when I lay down. I'm like, did they really understand that I was really sorry? Or, oh, God, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't really mean to do that or, you know, whatever. And I can take something so simple as like, 
uh, I have to think of something recently that I did. Uh, I was walking down an aisle in a grocery store and I bumped somebody with a cart, you know, and I could take that thing and be like, oh man, you know, I bumped them with the cart. I hope they're okay. And oh, I hope they know. Oh, you know, you know, and you tell them, oh, I'm so sorry. But then I'll keep go away thinking about that. And I'll be driving in the car and be like, you know, I bumped that lady with the cart. I hope she's okay. God, you know, and then I pray, Lord, if there's any problem with her, you know, whatever, blah, blah, you know, and then I turn it into that. And then at nighttime, I lay down to go to bed and I'm like, man, I bumped that lady with the cart today. Is she okay, God? You know, whatever. And sometimes I can take something and just work it and work it and work it and we'll lose sleep over it, um, wake up the next day thinking about it, you know, and I've asked for forgiveness but I have a hard time letting go of some things. Was that the right decision? Should I have done that? God, I know you told me to go right today, but I went left. Is that really a, uh, you know, is that really a bad thing? Like, did that really change the course of my life? You know, and we have those things. And so we have to work on releasing ourselves from guilt and condemnation that we place on ourselves. We, we tend to hold on to those things and, you know, and basically what they are, they're feelings. We hang on the feelings of guilt and shame and those feelings come to our head and instead of dismissing them, we think, okay, I did do something wrong, so these thoughts, you know, really make sense. But no, that's not how it works. You know, when your mind is being bombarded with thoughts that are not, you know, God's thoughts, then you should reject those thoughts and not sit and meditate on them. Because that's what happens. Like when I, when I think about it, you know, and I'm driving, then it comes up, you know, and I should dismiss it, but then I'll think about it. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I pray. And then when it comes up right before I lay down and go to bed, you know, I should dismiss the thought and I should speak the word, but then I'll entertain the thought. And then I'm like going round and round in my thoughts and trying to figure out different scenarios, different outcomes. If I would have done this, what about this? If I would have done that, what about that? Well, with this and that, you know, but we have to stand against those thoughts and speak to those thoughts and put the word on those thoughts. Because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we ask for forgiveness, we receive that forgiveness immediately. God forgives us immediately and he's not bringing it up. Satan will do everything possible to try to keep us from sharing a testimony of the forgiveness and redemption of Jesus. So when we feel like we are struggling with forgiveness for ourselves, what's really happening is a struggle to fully receive and live in the forgiveness of God. The enemy of our souls wants us to live in condemnation that is not from God. And he wants us to carry a shame so paralyzing that we will not want to personally testify of Jesus' accomplished work on the cross. And that's what happens. We get in a place of guilt and shame and we feel like we're un not worthy and we can't share the gospel with somebody else because we're in this place of, you know, I'm not sure if God even really loves me or if God even really forgave me for that. So how can you share with somebody else what he's done for you if you're beating yourself up? And it's a lie from the enemy. It's what he uses to try to keep us silent. He comes in so many ways, and we need to recognize it for exactly what it is. 
Often what keeps us from walking as forgiven people is a struggle with feelings of shame and regret. These are very heavy burdens to bear when you do something wrong, either on purpose or unintentionally, and it cannot be reversed. What you begin to think is, I don't think forgiveness is possible for a person like me, and I don't think I'll ever be free from the shame of what I've done. But the bottom line is, forgiveness of your sins is something that Christ suffered for. He suffered a horrible death for the forgiveness of our sins. And we need to receive that. You know, not only just receive his forgiveness for us when we become saved, but we need to receive it on a continual basis. We're human. We make decisions. We do things. But God made a way for us. He didn't say, oh, Jesus came one time. Now, if you, you, know, you mess up again, you're on your own. No, but he loves us so much. And he's like, it's okay. Just come to me. And the key is to acknowledge it right away. You know, you feel it. You know when you do something wrong. You know when you've spoken out of your mouth and you know when you've hurt someone's feelings or you've offended them or whatever unintentionally. You know it. You get this like, mmm. And don't let that keep going. Don't keep that, mmm, go, oh, man, you know, I, oh, so dumb. What's wrong with me? Why would I do that? Why would I say that? No, you stop and go, God, please forgive me. Forgive me for the words that I spoke out. Forgive me for offending that person. Forgive me, Lord. Receive his forgiveness. Go to that person and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't do that on purpose. Please forgive me. Don't make excuses for yourself. Just repent and receive God's forgiveness, and then you can go on. People think if they're not beating themselves up for something, then they're really not receiving God's forgiveness, you know? But that's not how it works. You ever notice that with kids? You know, they fight or, you know, whatever. And um, my niece and my nephew, the youngest two, they are like WWF. Like, they... They throw down. <laughs> so <laughs> Zoe, she's a three-year-old little girl, and she is tough as nails. And Ashton, oh my goodness, he does stuff to irritate the snot out of her. He's two years old. And so he walks in the room. He'll pick up one of her toys. She comes running, no! Ooh, you know, and she'll push him, and he flips on the ground. He falls. He cries. He hops back up, and then he walks over, like, a few minutes later, as if nothing happened. And then they're hugging, and they're kissing, and, and she's going, oh, I love you, Ashton. I love you so much, Ashton. He's, I love you, Zoe. And then they're kissing, you know, and then you might think, well, how come she doesn't have any shame? She just shoved him down, you know? She just snatched the toy from him. No, but that, that's how kids do it, you know? She went over, you know, you tell them, tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Hug it out, you know, whatever. And then they get up and they go off and play. And there's something that we can learn from that. Y'all don't be sleeping on kids. You can learn a lot from kids. 
So the point is tonight, you not only have to forgive others, but you have to receive forgiveness for yourself. You can't beat yourself up. If you don't receive forgiveness for yourself, it will hinder your faith just as much as unforgiveness towards another person will hinder your faith. It's just as wrong not to forgive yourself and to harbor ill will and uh, animosity against yourself as it is not to forgive someone else. If you harbor unforgiveness and ill will in your heart, your heart will condemn you and you won't be able to come boldly before God to get your prayers answered. It's very classic. You know, a lot of times you can look around and you see where are people, you know, why are people missing in church? You know, maybe they've gone through something or maybe they've made a wrong choice or they made a wrong mistake. And the first thing that they do is that they run away from God. They run away from church. They run away from the people who are there to help restore them and to love on them and show them the love of God. And that's what shame and guilt does. It separates you. And you know, I mean, have you ever seen those uh, like videos on YouTube of like an wild animals, you know, when they go after, I think I've watched the video of, uh, was it like, I don't know, I, I, I'm going to. I'm not going to call animals names because I'm probably going to get it wrong. But basically, you know, that there's animals that run in packs. And those pack animals, there's safety in the pack. And so, um, oh, it's coming to my mind. It's coming to my mind. There's a particular animal. I hear it. And anyway, this particular animal goes to, okay, dogs. No, it's not a hyena. I think they're... Um, it might be wolves, yes. So um, wolves, they go after dogs, and what they do is they try to befriend the dog, so they'll go over and act friendly and nice to the dog and get the dog, lead him away, and lead him over into the, I'm probably saying it all wrong, but anyway, when you run in a pack, there's safety in a pack. Yeah, that's the point. And if you get drawn away from that pack, then that leaves you open for the enemy to attack you because you're all alone. And so the first thing the devil does is that he brings up something that is irrelevant. He brings up something from your past that you've already gotten forgiveness for, and he uses it, and he tells you, they don't like you at church. They're, they're going to say something about you. You know, they're, you know, you didn't really get forgiveness, or, you know, God doesn't love you anymore because of what you did. And so it's important to combat those lies because it stops you from going into the presence of God. Not because he's not wanting you there, but because you place it on yourself that you're unfit to be in his presence. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, in the New Living Translation says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ. God is not condemning you. So you don't have the right to condemn yourself. You don't have that power. Sometimes when you pray, the devil will try to bring up things from your past. He will accuse you of your past failures. But if you have asked God to forgive you, then they do not exist anymore. And we talked about that. 
They don't exist anymore. They're, God's not up there rehearsing going, oh, you did this, you did that, you did that. I can't wait until they come and ask me for forgiveness because I'm going to bring up the fact. No, that's not what he's doing. He could, but that's not the God that we serve. He chose forget it. Not rehearse it. He chose forget it. That's love. That's love. Here's some things I want to help you. I'm going to give you um, three things. So we're going to talk about Peter in a little bit. But there were three things when Peter um, denied Jesus three times. Um, Jesus had a couple of conversations with him along the way. But there were three things that he said to him before he committed the offense to let him know that he would be restored and that, you know, his plan for him was still good, even though Jesus knew. And it was really cool. You know, Jesus gave him an opportunity here. He gave him an opportunity there. Peter denied Jesus. And then he still fulfilled the will of God for his life. And we're reading things that Peter wrote because he did not live in condemnation and guilt, which is awesome. So number one, Repent and confess your sins. When you sin, acknowledge what you did. Make no excuse or rationalizations. Repent before God and ask him to forgive you. So don't go, oh God, you know, I'm sorry, but I did this because he did this or she did that because this happened to me or whatever. Take responsibility for your actions and repent. It has nothing to do with what they did, what they said, what this and what that. You know, it, it doesn't matter. The, Jesus tells us, you know, one of the promises we have in the Bible is that you'll have trouble in this world. The world's going to hate you. So people are going to say things that offend you. People are going to do things that hurt you. It's in the Bible. But that does not give us the right to turn around and hurt people and offend people and spew out things to people. That's not how it works. So if we get in that place, you know, sometimes, you know, you might be ready to fight. Somebody comes to say something to you and they catch you on an off night. You've had a long week. This happened, that happened, that happened. And somebody comes to say something to you and you're like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm letting it loose, you know? And you're like, I'm not restraining myself. I'm just going to say it and I'm going to let it go. And you do that. It still doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right because you had a hard week, because they said something stupid, because they looked at you sideways, because they were rude to you, because they, you know, didn't respect you, any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't make it right. So when you act out of love and when you do the wrong thing, then you immediately repent. You should feel that and don't ignore that and just say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. Please help me. Help me to walk in love towards this person. Help me in this situation. Help me to see you, Father God. Help me to change my heart. Help me to speak words of love and truth to this person, even though. <laughs> Psalm 32, verse 5, in the New Living Translation. 
It says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. That's David. Those are the words of David. You want to know how he became a friend of God? David did some crazy stuff. And it's in the Bible, so the world reads about it. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to do something crazy, but then to have it written for all, everybody to learn from your craziness. Like, he did some stupid stuff. I mean, like, crazy. Lusting, murder. I mean, hello? And how are you a friend of God? This right here. You read page after page after page of David pouring out his heart to God, repenting to God, worshiping God, recognizing that he cannot do life without God. And this is one of the things that we get to see is that he's saying, I confess all my sins to you. Not once, but several times. There were a chain of events chain of sins. And I'm sure, I mean, now this is just what we read about, you know? <laughs> Put the big stuff in there. First John 1, 9, and we know this one, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When we commit the sin, God was there. When we tried to hide our sin, our God was aware. He is waiting for us to come to him in a spirit of repentance. Repent and receive his forgiveness. Number two, turn to Jesus. Don't turn away from him. Turn to Jesus him. Romans 8, 31 through 32 in the New Living Translation. I'm giving y'all a lot of scripture because this might be something that you need to meditate on, something that you need to work on. And so I want to give you scripture. I don't want to just talk about it, but I want to give you some scripture. So Romans 8, 31 through 32 in the New Living Translation says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That's the love of a father that we don't even fully comprehend. If he gave us Jesus... And if Jesus did all of that for us, he's not turning his back on you. He did that before. You know, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, while we were in sin, Jesus died for us. So how much more that we are his children, we are his sons, we are his daughters, that when we mess up and we come to him in in forgiveness, with our hearts humbly before him, how much more is he going to show his love to us to help restore us? Verse 35 through 39 in that same chapter says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our biggest failure is when we try to restore ourselves and we try to fix it within us. You have to go to him. Because we're human and we have those feelings, we have those thoughts, we need to be able to submit those to him and humbly say, God, I'm so sorry, and I'm feeling this overwhelming guilt and shame. I need more than anything to feel your love for me. I need to know that you love me. And that would be a good time to meditate on scriptures about his love for you. Look them up. Because the devil's going to come in and go, oh, you messed up. God doesn't love you anymore. Everybody's talking about you. You know, he's going to say all these things. So when you run to Jesus, run to him in his word and meditate. Read scriptures every single day that talk to you about God's love for you and receive his love. So you have to renew your mind to his love for you. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I'm going to read you a couple things from Um, How many of you have this book by Pastor David accepted and approved? If you don't, you need to get it. Because really, a lot of what I'm talking about tonight is, it's all throughout this book. And I didn't realize it today until I opened it this afternoon. I was like, oh, yes, I remember that. I thought it was in this other book. But anyway, um, (laughs) the whole series that he wrote is about renewing your mind. And it's about, you know, living in righteousness and, you know, who you are in Christ, which are so powerful. And these are tools and things that you need to help you to help you with your feelings, to help you with your emotions. So, you know, I'm putting in a shameless plug for pastor's book. Like, don't be sleeping on your pastor. Like, you know, you buy everybody else's books. You should have these books. And not just have them, read them. (laughs) It's one thing to buy them. Good. Step one, that's good. But number two, read them. There's some good stuff in them. So um, it says, so I'm going to read you a couple things out of here. It says, you can take dominion over your flesh You can overcome it because the power that's in your spirit is more powerful than the pull on your natural body. It's more powerful than the pressure of the natural world. It's even more powerful than the devil himself. As 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You do not have to fight the fight of faith 
You do, I'm sorry, you do have to fight the fight of faith, though. To live like the overcomer you are, you can't keep seeing yourself as a sinner and just say, well, I'm trying to do better. I'm working at it. Y'all pray for me. You have to keep renewing your mind with the word so that you see yourself as a new creation in Christ and you know what you have on the inside. You have to keep hearing the word so that faith comes and you're able to believe and act like who God says you are. The more confident you become in the righteousness that's been established in you through Christ Jesus, the more you'll walk in victory. It's a fight. It is a fight. I got a few highlights, as you can see. I'm going to read a couple more. <laughs> Think God's thoughts. I like this is. But Pastor David, you might say, what if I throw those condemning thoughts away and they come right back to my head? Continue to persist in bringing your thoughts back to Jesus. Concentrate on what he did for you. Practice seeing yourself in him and meditate on scriptures that confirm that. One more. This is a good book. Continue bringing your mind back to the truths will take some work, but it's not hard work. It's fun work. As you persist in, your, persist in it, your spirit will start humming. You'll become increasingly confident in what God's word says about you, and joy will start bubbling up inside you. But pastor, you might say, you don't know how hard it is for me to think of myself as blameless and faultless before God. You don't know how many times I've messed up. Even now, there are areas of my life that aren't in line with how the Bible says they should be. Then repent in those areas. Receive God's forgiveness, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. By the grace of God, make whatever changes you need to make you need to make to bear the fruit of righteousness. And when you miss it, repent again as often as necessary. Each time you do that, the Lord will lovingly receive you. He'll never reject you because he loves you. He doesn't condemn you and magnify your failures like the world does. He sees you as who you are on the inside. He looks beyond the struggles and sins that may be tripping you up right now and sees you in Christ. He sees in your born-again spirit his own image and likeness, his own righteousness. That's how he saw you before the foundation of the world, when he chose you for himself. And that's how he still sees you today as blameless and faultless in him. He sees you as blameless and faultless in him. And I like how he just reminds us, if you mess up just, Keep repenting and keep moving forward. Keep growing in God. You know, some of us are a little more hard-headed than others. Some of us are a little less compliant. So it takes time after time and hitting wall after wall and thing after thing. But what the best thing about it is, is that you shouldn't quit. You can't quit on life just because you mess up or you get it wrong. And then you get up and you try again like, I did it again. No, then you say, okay, all right, I, I was studying that scripture and I was at that point, and okay, 
Man, I did it again. All right, Lord, come on. We, I need another scripture. I need another place. Give me some more. And then you keep at it and you keep at it and you keep at it until it becomes real, until it just rolls out of you. And so when then when you kick your toe, you're not spewing out cuss words, but you're spewing out the word, you know? You're speaking the word. You keep going and you keep going. It's a growth. It's a journey. It's a relationship. It's you continuing to walk in the things that he has for you. It's you not saying, oh, you know, I'm not perfect. I can't live that Christian life. So I'm going to just go out here and do this. No, but it's you making a decision every single day when you wake up. Yesterday is gone. It no longer exists. I'm not going to bring it up before you, God. I'm not going to bring it up before myself, but your mercies are new today. And I thank you, Lord, that I walk in your mercy. I walk in your grace. I walk in love today. I speak words of truth. I speak words of life. You go before me. The blood is applied, you know, and you just speak the word. And then as you go about your day, you know, you mess up. Oh man, you know, I miss it. God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I thank you, Lord, that your mercies are still new today, that you're still working in me. And I thank you, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you, God, to help me. Help me speak kind words. Help me not get upset. Help me not get offended. Help me not get in my feelings today. That's what a relationship is. You keep talking to him. And he keeps working in you. And he keeps showing you his love. He's like, it's okay, come here, come here. It's all right, all right. Now here's what you do, and he'll give you some instruction. Now get back out there. It's like when you play a sport, you know, and you go out there, and I use this illustration with my nephew Caleb before, you know, he's playing soccer, he's a goalie, and he missed a couple goals. And I mean, he's down there, like, you know, his team, they're up, and they need him to be in, in his place, and so he missed a couple goals, and he's down there like this, and so we go down to the end, come on, Caleb, shake it off, you got it, it's okay, you'll get the next ball, keep on, keep on, don't quit, you don't want them to stop. I mean, you yell at people you don't even know on the TV when they're playing sports. All right, you got a fumble. Get up. Come on. Don't quit. They can't even hear you. So how much more should we as a church be cheering on our brothers and sisters? It's okay. Don't quit. You stumbled. You fell. It's all right. Get back up. God still has a plan. He still has a purpose for your life. He still needs you. He didn't forget about it just because you messed up. It didn't change his mind about you. It doesn't change his love for you. It doesn't change what he's called you to do. We learn, we grow, it builds character. And then it brings us to number three, we can strengthen others. You've repented, you've gone to God, and now you can encourage somebody else. And you can say, you know, what the devil tells you is that what you did was so wrong and it's so big, you can't tell anybody about it. But ha-ha in his face, when you are free from, sin, from condemnation and free from shame, your testimony can help somebody else. And you say, you know what? I understand exactly where you are. I understand what you're going through. You know what? I've been there, but now I'm on the other side and let me help you through it. Let me tell you, if you look at me and you look where I am now, I was once there and let my life be a testimony to you that you don't have to stay there. But a lot of times we let the devil tell us, you know, we can't tell anybody. We can't say anything, you know, whatever. 
But no, if it's nagging you, say something. I had something that was really nagging me. I mean, it was nagging me for like a month. And I couldn't, I couldn't shake these thoughts. I couldn't shake, you know, things that were, you know, bombarding my mind. And I was like, oh, you know, this is so stupid. I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know, blah, 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 you know, da, 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 you know, and it kept going on and on and on. And, you know, I'd be up, down, up, down, up, down. And finally, I was like, I text my best friend. I said, I don't know what you're doing. I'm sure you're busy, but I need you to call me. And then I was like, oh, man, when she calls me, what am I going to say? Should I shoot the breeze or, you know, forget all about it? No, no, I'm going to say it. And so I picked up the phone and I was like, look, I want you to hear these thoughts that are going around in my head. They're the stupidest thing in the world, you know, and there's no validity to them, but they're bothering me. They're nagging me. And if I say it out loud, I know they'll go away because I'm exposing the lie. And so I just started running down and then she helped me find what really the issue was, which was this, and the devil was making it into this big old thing. And literally after that conversation, I hung on the phone and the thoughts that had been nagging me before she called, I hung up the phone and I was like, oh, that felt so good. It felt good to let that go, release it. So we strengthen others. We help others. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 in the New Living Translation says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Encourage one another, gather together.